the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about God, the historical Jesus, about the Bible, about world views and world religions. We often talk about history. Sometimes we talk about prophecy. But often we talk about current events. Joining me is Dr. Doug Groteis. He is um, the uh, professor of of religion and ethics at Denver Seminary. What, what's your official title these professor days? Professor of philosophy. Professor of philosophy. Professor of philosophy. Professor of philosophy. I do religion and ethics, too. He does religion and <laughs> ethics also. And so... Um, and you can find out about Dr. Douglas Grotheis at douglasgrotheis.com. But, Doug, as always, welcome to the program. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Yeah, we're gonna, you uh, brought something to my attention, and that is a bill that's, been, that's being put in place, HB House Bill 22-1279. It's called the Reproductive Health Equity Act. And um, it's being placed into consideration by uh, three, I guess, um, Colorado state senators. And in this bill, they, there, there seems to be a kind of an alarm that there is the possibility that Roe v. Wade would be overturned at the... Uh, Right. At the federal level, and that they want to put in place a state bill that will mean that any woman coming to the state of Colorado could kill her unborn child for any reason at any point along the pregnancy. Tell me um, your understanding of what this bill asks. What 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 is this bill asking the Coloradans to do? Well, we have an extremely permissive abortion law already. Abortions can be procured all the way up till mm-hmm. all the way up till birth mm-hmm. in Colorado. But what they're thinking is the pro-abortion people is that the case before the Supreme Court, Dobbs versus mm-hmm. Jackson Women's Health Organization, could be ruled such that Roe v. Wade is overturned. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's overturned, it doesn't mean that abortion is now illegal in all 50 states. What it means is the states decide what the laws will be about abortion. And some states will be very conservative. Let's say probably Texas, Florida, uh, Mississippi. Uh, Some states will be quite liberal. And what they're trying to do is shore up any kind of restriction whatsoever on abortion in Colorado so it can become a destination abortion state, basically. You've heard of destination weddings. You have the wedding in some place where neither the bride nor the groom lives. Well, this is the idea with this bill, is to make it absolutely certain that people could come here from any part of the country and uh, get a, women could get an abortion. 
There could be no restrictions whatsoever. Now, I was thinking we already have the most permissive law you can imagine, but apparently these Democratic senators, and let's be clear about this, it's Democrats, want to make it even more certain with the wording of this thing. In fact, it's really kind of nightmarish in some ways because they say, um, let's see, one of the statements in the bill is they want to make sure that the fetus embryo has no rights. They just come out and say that. Has no right. I, I, I was looking at, at the bill summary, and it says, quote, the bill declares that every individual has a fundamental right to use or refuse contraception. Every pregnant individual has a fundamental right to continue the pregnancy and give birth or to have an abortion, and a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the law of the state. Right. Now, that 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 wording is supposed to squash any idea that um, that whatever is, that woman is carrying is a child or a person or a human being. Now, obviously, when, when you and, and we talk about codify, in other words, you make it the law. The law is that whatever is growing inside of her has no independent or derivative rights right. under the laws of the state. And so the, so the idea is whatever is growing inside of her uterus, its value is determined by the mother who's carrying her because the state has legally defined it as having no value whatsoever. Am, am I missing that, something? No, that's exactly right. So there could be animal species that would have more rights than an unborn child. Like an eagle's egg. An sure. eagle's egg could be protected. Could, I suppose you could go to jail for destroying eagle eggs or deliberately killing a goose. Or a gray fox that was okay. reintroduced. Or no, a, a gray wolf in the northern yeah. part. Right, but you could have an abortion at any point in the pregnancy, including when the baby is viable. Mm-hmm. So if, if an abortion happens and the baby lives, then there's no accountability to help the child to continue to live, to take care of him or her. This, this is as radical as you can get. Now, what's interesting to me is looking back historically, Doug. In 1967, Colorado became the first state in the union mm-hmm. to legalize abortion, to make it legal. In 1973, the Roe v. Wade decision is made. In 1973, the American Psychological Association votes unanimously to remove homosexual behavior as off of the list of what is deemed a mental or psychological illness. Now, based on that, do you anticipate that we culturally will do anything other than approve this draconian bill? Well, from what I hear from the Centennial Institute, and I'm on the, the board of the Centennial Institute, this will probably pass. Mm-hmm. So we can hope and pray that it won't. In fact, this Wednesday at 1.30 at the state capitol, there will be hearings on this, mm-hmm. and you can give testimony. You can give up to three minutes of testimony, and I'm planning on doing that. I'm planning on reading a statement, giving a logical and a biblical argument against uh, this free-for-all abortion kind of view. 
And in some ways, it's fairly straightforward because you have to say, all right, a woman is pregnant. That means there's another living being within her. You don't have a potential life. You have an actual life and with potential. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a potential human. You have a human being with potential because humans come from humans. And so the burden of proof should always be on anyone who wants to take a living human life. And the benefit of the doubt should be given to the, the living human, I'd say, person, right? But these laws just ignore that entirely, and they mm-hmm. talk about things like equity, reproductive rights, as if there were not a living human being involved here besides, and let's use the right word, the mother. They like mm-hmm. to say the woman, but if a woman is pregnant, she is a mother uh, to that uh, little boy or girl. So you're going to be there on Wednesday, but we're going to come back. Um the Reproductive Health Equity Act, they're going to be ta- – do you have to sign up? Do you have to make an appointment? How do you yeah. – I don't know that specifically, but you can go online. Mm-hmm. And find out. But you do have a right to give a testimony of up to three minutes. I think if you want to know more information, you can go to um, – I think it's leg.colorado.gov, or you can simply Google or type in – Reproductive Health Equity Act, Colorado. It should take you to the place where the Colorado General Assembly is considering this bill. We'll have more with Dr. Doug Groteis when we come back. This is Gina Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking with Dr. Doug Groteis from Denver Seminary, but he's not here as Dr. Doug Groteis from Denver Seminary. He's here as a a person who's deeply, I, I guess we need to, to to do a disclaimer, at least in part, that when that the that the views you express are mm-hmm. your views. Yeah, yeah. I'm here as a citizen and, and as a philosopher, as a Christian, and I'm very concerned about the laws of Colorado. We are very much in the wrong place on the value of unborn human life, and we have been, as you mentioned, for a long time. You're saying that. We're the first state to legalize abortion. That was right. before Roe v. Wade, 1967. Correct. Uh, maybe it'd be good to just tick off what this bill would do. Yeah. I've got some points from the Centennial Institute. This is called HB 22-1279, Reproductive Health Equity Act. The bill would ban ban the state of Colorado from providing any rights to preborn children, bans parental notification or age restrictions on abortion, invalidates all existing and future local abortion restrictions, bans common-sense health restrictions on abortion, like requiring women to consult with a doctor before taking abortion pills, five, bans options to prevent abortions based on sex, race, or disability, six, this bill happily seeks to make Colorado a travel destination for the killing of preborn children with no restrictions whatsoever, young women traveling to the state to get an abortion without their parents' knowledge, Localities unable to keep abortion facilities out of their communities would have access to Colorado. And the state specifically writing into law that the preborn child has no rights in this state. So what people need to do, I think, is contact the legislators to vote no on this and perhaps mm-hmm. come to this event at the state capitol on one thirty this Wednesday and peacefully mm-hmm. and logically and courageously say – what you think about this issue. 
Now, there's so many things involved with this issue, according to the bill, where it says every individual has a fundamental right to use or refuse contraception. So what I'm wondering, Doug, is is there another element here of parental rights? Does that mean every individual who's 13 years old or 14 years old? Does it if, if a person's under 18 years old and the person says to their parents, I'm sexually active and I want contraception, or they maybe live in a, or, or they've grown up in a religious tradition like Roman Catholicism, where they've been instructed by their church that there's certain things that their church frowns upon. And so parents exercising some sort of parental uh, instruction and guidance, does this mean that parents would would legally be breaking the law if their minor child wants to use contraception. Well, I don't know if that's an implication of it, but it wouldn't surprise me because the idea is that someone's sexuality is uniquely their uh, their issue, their concern, their rights. So in we don't need to get into this, but with the trans movement Um, A lot of very liberal people are saying that parents should have no role whatsoever in denying their Mm -hmm. children the so-called right to transition from one sex to another. So this view, this secular liberal view of sexuality is that you really are your desires, you are your sexual desires, and no one should be able to restrict that except by virtue of consent. That's about the last taboo left. There should be no non-consensual sexual activity. So I'm not so sure about the contraception part of it, but the real target of this, I think, is to make any restriction whatsoever on abortion illegal illegal in Colorado. So this becomes a destination abortion state. So there's a couple of things I want to get to with you. The first thing is even speaking about it. Obviously... We, we have seen literally hundreds of parents show up at other events, and the state decides to do whatever it wants anyway. Um, I know that we, we're living in a world where there, there's, uh, there's almost—you're a, a philosopher. Do, what, what are the moral obligations that Christians have in this situation— to speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that all human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't make a moral or spiritual distinction between the value of an unborn human being and a born human being. We know from Psalm 139 that God is at work in the womb to fashion human beings. Jesus also told us that we need to, we need to stand up for people that don't have a voice, mm-hmm. the least of these Matthew 25, 41, uh, or 31 through 46. And then also uh, Jeremiah 29 tells us, well, tells the exiles, and by extension us, to seek the welfare of the city where we are exiled. And Jesus said to be salt and light wherever we are. So we want to stand for those who have been wronged, and we want the innocent to be protected. Mm. And we have a system in the United States where... We have the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech. And simply because our views are rooted in Scripture is no reason to shut up in the public sphere because religious people have the freedom of speech and the freedom of assembly and all the rest of it. But one thing I want to emphasize is that you don't have to 
rely on the Bible specifically to make a strong pro-life mm-hmm. argument. I basically gave one in the previous segment, and that is let's consider what happens in a pregnancy. You have a living human being, and all things being equal, a living human being should be protected from being killed. There might be rare exceptions where the life of the mother is directly in jeopardy. That's Mm -hmm. extremely rare. But we have to just cut through the fog here of reproductive equity, reproductive rights, and say, well, you know, we have two living human beings here. We have a mother and we have a child. And the child has a different genetic code Mm -hmm. than the mother. The child is not part of the mother's body. The child is in the mother's body. And it used to be, I've been, gosh, I've been pro-life since 1979, but people used to say things like, well, you know, we should restrict abortion uh, like up until viability. Mm-hmm. After viability, then we shouldn't have abortion. Some people are arguing that. Things have gotten so much more radical that viability means nothing to people. Right. Um, you know, several years ago, there was a bill before the Senate to require physicians to take care of babies that were born accidentally through abortion, that were aborted and they stayed alive. There was a bill, I think Josh Hawley had something to do with it, that said you have to take care of these children if they're born alive. I think it was called the Born Alive Abortion Act or something. Sure. And and it was voted down. Every single Democratic candidate for president voted against it. You have to wonder how infanticide could possibly Mm -hmm. be a value. Well, that's what we're facing now. The idea is that Rights come from individual desires. There's no transcendent source or meaning to rights. There's no intrinsic human rights, really. Now, they say there is when they say, well, we have this right. Everyone needs to be able to exercise the right of reproductive choice. Well, where did that come from? And if you have, if you're going to make an appeal like that, why don't you make an appeal on the basis of being a human being, period? That human beings, let's put it carefully, all human beings have the negative right not to be killed. What is so radical about that? Now, that would impinge on the lifestyles of some people. If a woman is pregnant, she doesn't want to be pregnant. Well, you have to say, what is my moral situation Mm -hmm. right now? And moral agents are called to sometimes deny their own desires and their own preferences for the sake of other people. But we're in a situation in the United States where people are so radically uh, self-interested and self-centered that we have to have Reproductive Equity Act and deny all rights to what we have to call living human beings who are developing. And we'll end up something like us if they are protected. Yeah, one of the things in this bill's summary is that the state and local public entities from denying, restricting, interfering, or discriminating against an individual's fundamental right to use or refuse contraception, continue or not continue, it seems to me that that means plan or, or um, counseling agencies, um, even your own home, I'm, I'm hospitals. Uh, the list goes on and on. We'll, we'll, we'll be back with more. This is Gina Geraci along with Dr. Doug Grothuis. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. My guest is Dr. Doug Grothuis from Denver Seminary. And 
we, we were talking about this Reproductive Health Equity Act that's being introduced in the Colorado legislature. It's HB 22-1279. Um, and uh, under the bill summary, it says, concerning the codification, that means making law of a person's fundamental right to make reproductive health care decisions free from government interference. So it's going under the guise of government interference, but it seems that when you go down the bill, it's also prohibits state and local public entities. In other words, interference from anyone, whether they're government or not government. Um, <clears throat> what what I'm wondering is, does this mean that we now silence any conversation? about whether killing an unborn child is a fundamental immoral act. You know, years ago, we talked about the, the legalization of homosexuality. Uh, who would have guessed that believing that homosexual behavior is wrong could become criminal? Does this also mean that if you believe in the sanctity of life and the fundamental immorality of killing an unborn child and you say it out loud or you try to persuade somebody else to believe that, that that becomes criminal speech. Well, it could, I don't know that this law leads in that direction necessarily, but let's say if you pass this law and heaven forbid, it doesn't happen. Any state entity could say, we don't want any pro-life discussion having anything to do with the state. So public schools, public meetings. I'm not sure how this would play out, but the language is so strong and the restrictions are, st- are so... Draconian. Yeah, draconian. I was going to say that, that the idea is, well, we've just decided that our state policy is this way, and so we don't want to have any discussion about it, and that's that's about it. So anything associated with the state, they might say, we don't really want to have any discussions about this. We don't want to have both sides in a public school debate or something. I could see that fitting into this kind of mentality. It certainly could. So what do you think is going to be the most persuasive argument against this bill? Is it going to be scientific? Is it going to be moral? Is it going to be societal? What arguments do you think are going to be the most compelling to cause the individual lawmakers to say, I never thought about it that way? I think scientific and moral scientifically, we have a a living human being in a pregnancy, Mm -hmm. period. That's not up for debate. Look at any biology textbook. Mm -hmm. That's not up for debate. Uh, They simply try to obfuscate by saying, well, we don't know when life begins. It's ridiculous. We don't know when humanity begins. That's ridiculous. So you do have a living human being. Then the issue is, what is the value of a living human being Mm -hmm. who happens to be inside a mother's womb? Does that location somehow deny the right to live? Does size deny the right to live? Does level of development deny the right to live? Time, nutrition, location. The only difference between that baby and you and I, Mm -hmm. time, location, nutrition. Um, It's been over 50 years. Well, it's coming up on 50 years, 2023, um, 1973. 50 years, Doug, 1973. Um, Roe v. Wade, yeah. All of the effort to overturn it looks like 
there might even be the possibility what you indicated earlier that then, then it goes to the states and that's hence your point if Colorado becomes a destination place for abortion on demand what do you think that means well it's it certainly brings down the moral character of our state it means mm-hmm. that we would be providers for a lot of immoral activity a lot of needless killing of human beings. Uh, I think of Genesis 4 when Cain killed Abel and God said, uh, Abel's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Mm-hmm. So we would be a state for sanctioned slaughter. It would be horrible. Now, I know you've done a little research and writing in the past on this subject. And when you look around the whole globe, um, there are a few other countries that have the kind of draconian laws we're talking about, Russia, North Korea, China. But is it your understanding that our view is really contra most of the world? Most of the, the world sees the value of carrying children to term and giving birth. Well, it depends on the country, really. I mean, you have horrible cases like in China. I'm not sure if they still have it, but they had, as we were talking about. I remember they had the one child. Yeah, they had the one child policy that families or women get to have one child. And if they conceive again, they have to have an abortion. And millions upon millions of abortions abortions occurred under that. Now, I don't hear anybody saying that in the U.S., but if you combine a disrespect for preborn human beings— with massive statism, with some tremendous fear of overpopulation, and let's say that's based on climate change, Mm -hmm. the more people, the more carbon, the worse the atmosphere, all the rest of it. I'm not saying anyone is proposing this, but I can see those dominoes possibly falling. Mm -hmm. Lack of concern for unborn human life, statism, the state controls the family, and then this uh, really rather hysterical view, fear of... Climate change is the great apocalypse. We have to avoid at all costs. Do you think that um, um, uh, do do you think that the three minutes that you're going to give on Wednesday, as you're trying to think through the most compelling and logical arguments, what might you offer during those three minutes? Well, pretty much what I've said here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend most of the time on the scientific moral argument. I might spend a little time on the right of religious people to participate, and then I'll probably spend a little bit of time on the argument from Scripture. Mm-hmm. So I want to motivate as many Christians as possible to oppose this bill and be pro-life, not just oppose bad abortion bills, but contribute to ministries like Alternatives Pregnancy Center here in Denver and uh, National Right to Life, and, and teach this in the churches, teach this in the family. I have no idea if I'm going to convince anyone, but mm-hmm. I feel conscience-bound to make a strong, clear statement on it. Do you think—I I, I know this is going to sound a little bit of a stretch, but it seems to me that whether you're on the left or the right, most people are willing to say it is immoral what uh, that Russia invaded Ukraine. In other words, they're making a judgment, a moral sure. judgment. Yeah. That If you were to ask them the question, do you think it's wrong— that Russia invades 
Ukraine? And they say, yes. And then you say, on what basis would you make that argument? If, if we ask that question with this bill, do you think it's wrong to kill an unborn child? That's the fundamental issue. But you see, they don't want to put it that way. They want to talk about terminating pregnancies. And they want to talk about reproductive rights and well, equity. And, all and I think we can soften the blow maybe. And, and, you know, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. What is the best way to frame this discussion? Well, I think the scientific facts of what happens in a pregnancy and the moral issue of we are taking a living human life. And do you want that to be completely unrestricted? That's, I think, is the ultimate issue. What's ironic to me is it says concerning the codification, and it says to make reproductive health care decisions free from government interference. It seems to me that the government isn't trying to prohibit or restrict abortion on demand, that they're almost celebrating abortion on demand and making it ubiquitous. Well, that's what the law wants to do. It wants to remove any possible restriction. So anybody wants an abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned, come on to Colorado, you know, the abortion capital of the U.S. HB 22-1279. You can find out more by going to uh, colorado.gov. I think it's leg.colorado.gov. This is Gino Geraci. We'll be back. Hey, welcome back. It's my privilege to have Dr. Doug Groteis on the program. We're talking about a uh, a bill that's being introduced. There's go- they're going to be hearing from people on Wednesday. It's called the Reproductive Health Equity Act. And again, I can't think of a more misnamed bill, Reproductive Health Equity Act, because this this act doesn't seem have anything to do with health or equity, Dr. Doug Grotias, help us. What what do you see as their major arguments that that necessitates HB 22-1279 since Colorado has the most draconian abortion laws already? Why, why do you have to have another abortion law? What makes this law, what, what's different about this law? Well, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the Democrats, the pro-life Democrats, that's probably just about all of them, think this is needed. So I doubt that they would do it if they weren't worried mm-hmm. that some restriction might be applied to abortion in Colorado. Now, I'm, you know, don't quote me on this, but it could be that if this passes, you couldn't even have any uh, amendments proposed. Mm-hmm. It would just be impossible. You know, so we had something a couple of years ago that would have restricted late-term abortion. That was voted down. I don't know. Maybe if this passes, you couldn't even get it on the ballot. I'm not sure about that. But the most pro-choice, that is pro-abortion people, think this is necessary. So I'm going to take their word for it. You could get into more of the details. Well, you, you, you said that there was a, a specific area of this bill that, that you wanted to address. Why don't, why yeah. don't you read that and tell us what you think? Yeah, I want to consider the moral reasoning here. This is point F of the bill. Despite repeated rejections of attacks on abortion care, I love the way they put that, abortion care, by the people of Colorado, 
There have been over 40 legislative attempts to criminalize or outlaw abortion since 2010. Colorado voters have demonstrated that they trust individuals to make their own ethical decisions about abortion care based on what is best for their health and their families. Well, law doesn't just trust people to make the right decisions. Law should protect the least of these. The law should protect fundamental human rights. And there's nothing more fundamental as a human right than the negative right not to be murdered if you are innocent, period. I mean, murder is the killing of an innocent person. So this language is so off base. Uh, Colorado voters, voters have demonstrated they trust individuals to make their own ethical decisions. Uh, people can make very bad ethical decisions that in fact end up killing people or mm-hmm. harming people or robbing people. So this kind of language just confuses everything. It pumps smoke everywhere. So the idea is, well, if you oppose this, then you don't, you don't trust people to make ethical decisions. Well, sometimes I do and sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. But the ethical decisions that go into law are extremely significant because all law enacts a moral vision, period, whatever the law mm-hmm. is. Law is not neutral. So I think citizens that care about the objective, incommensurable value of unborn human life should oppose this bill. And even if the bill passes, do everything possible to support uh, women who are having uh, have unplanned pregnancies or single mothers that have young children to raise, whatever it is. You know, we're not just anti-abortion. We're pro-life under God. That should be the Christian view. But uh, laws make a tremendous difference in how societies work. Like, if you go back 50 years to Roe v. Wade, the kind of arguments were, well, what about cases of extreme fetal deformity? Don't you want to allow abortion there? I'd say no. But they would say that. And they also might say, well, what about rape? Don't you want to allow abortions there? Now it's open season. Mm-hmm. It's just you can have an abortion anytime for any reason with no restriction, and that is a fundamental reproductive equity right. So 50 years after Roe v. Wade, 65 million abortions later. 65 followed, million. Yes, yes. I told my students at CCU that the other day, and they apparently had never heard it. They were stunned. It's somewhere between 62 and 65 million legal abortions since Roe v. Wade. And now under the Biden administration, tax dollars support it because he revoked the Hyde Amendment as soon as he got into office. Can you imagine any world where this doesn't pass given uh, the last 50 years of sexual anarchy? There's been a sexual anarchy that's taken place in our culture where the fundamental right isn't religious or speech or conscience – the fundamental right is sexual expression, that mm-hmm. that I should be free to express myself sexually any way that I want without consequence. I think that's behind it. It certainly is. And that's a fundamental falsehood. We are not our own. We were made by God. And there are right and wrong behaviors sexually. And as soon as your sexual behavior creates another living human being, then you have an obligation to protect that living human being. And moreover, you should be chaste. You should be careful. See, and this is what's ironic to me again. It's the idea that sexual behavior doesn't create a human being. Mm -hmm. Remember, it creates something – I'm quoting the bill – 
it creates something that's fertilized, embryo, fetus. It does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of the state. So what I'm wondering is, if it doesn't have independent derivative rights under the laws of the state, how, again, why are we so quick to dismiss biology, science, morality, and civilizational history? Well, I think of Romans 1, where it speaks of those who denied God and God's authority over them. And God says he gave them over. He gave them over. Four times he gave them over. So this kind of a law proposed 30 years ago would probably mm -hmm. be viewed by the most leftist person as really extreme, mm -hmm. by many anyway. Now it, it'll probably pass. See, and this is what's, again, interesting to me. Your view is what's considered extreme. In other words, there are people listening right now to this program, and they're thinking, you mean you believe an unborn child is a human being with dignity and destiny? Now, even though we may not know exactly, I, I think we have every reason to believe that an unborn child has a soul. And the the reason why John the I think of John the Baptist, it seems to me that there's good biblical evidence oh, sure. that Mary carried Jesus to term. But was there ever a moment when when Jesus was being carried in Mary's womb that he wasn't human? No, I mean the incarnation began at conception. There's another pro life argument from <laughs> from scripture, but we've got a lot of them. You don't necessarily have to rely on scripture, right? As long as someone believes in biology and basic ethics about the value of human beings and thinks that there are some restrictions on sexual behavior, that some sexual behavior carries with it consequences that may be unpleasant to people, like going through with a pregnancy. Um, I think. My argument goes through. Right. Yeah, it seems to me that when we talk about biology, and we, again, nineteen in the 1950s when Crick and Watson discovered the DNA molecule, and, and the overwhelming evidence for information technology that a child in the womb is hardwired for gender, right. hair, eyes, height, weight. In other words, there's this, there's, there's a literal information, there's a wealth of information that that child is going to be. That's right. A the child is a living human being who will develop if left alone. Right. Well, Doug, let, let us know how it all turns out. Again, the reproductive uh, Equity Act, it's HB 22-1279. By all means, contact your local legislator, uh, express not just your concern to them, but maybe like Doug, you will think about maybe making an appearance on Wednesday. I hope a lot of people will. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me with Dr. Doug Groteis. HB 22, 1279. It's oppose it. I'll be back, taking your calls, answering your questions. Thanks. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.